John chapter 4, starting with verse 1. This is a story of where Jesus has an interaction with a Samaritan woman at a well. Uh, some of you may have read this story before. If you haven't, this is a, this is a, good, a good story in the Bible. Uh, this was kind of a big deal in that day and age for uh, Jesus, who was a Jew, to be associating with uh, this woman at the well who was a Samaritan. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, we're going to look at kind of a large portion of text today, about 26 verses, Lord willing. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll just pray, and then we will kind of just go through the text a verse or two at a time uh, and see what God's Word has to say to us this morning. So let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning, and I thank you for these good words, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would lead and guide me in what to say, that you would hide me behind the cross, dear Lord God, and that uh, in here today you would open the ears of our heart, that we would hear uh, what your Word is saying, that we would see what's taking place here, that God, maybe we would see in our life that there are some situations similar to this, where we're not treating others the way that we should treat them. Maybe there are some things in our life that we are we are overlooking that needed to be pointed out to us, dear Lord, just as Jesus points out to the woman at the wheel. So I pray, God, that as we read your word, that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. John chapter 4, verse 1. When Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was worn out from his journey sat down at the well. It was about six in the evening. So here we have the scene set. Now Jesus in his ministry, he traveled lots of different areas. He traveled all over the place and, and what is still the same area as what we call modern day Israel uh, today. And Jesus uh, was going up from Judea, he was going up to Galilee. Now, if you're familiar with some geography of the land, uh, Judea would have been around kind of the southern part of, 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 of what we call Israel, and Galilee would have been a little further up toward uh, the, the northern part. And in between these two areas of, of Judea and Galilee, there was an area known as Samaria that was kind of in between them. And Samaria uh, would have been the, the, the area of land that when the land was divided, when the people of Israel went in, would have been given to, to Joseph's family. And so it's right there in that, that middle part. And there was a, a feud between these two groups of people. Now, we don't really uh, see that too much here in this verse, but we know throughout the text that there is some, some, some feuding, there is some dislike uh, going on between the people here of, of, of the Jews and the Samaritans. Um, this would have been a, a crazy place to stop because the Jews wouldn't have had anything to do with the Samaritans, but this was a place that Jesus had to go through on his journey. To get from point A to point B, he had to go through a place where there was some hostility. And the same can be said of us as Christians. There are sometimes where God is going to call us from one point in our life to another spot in our life. And sometimes when going from point A to point B, we are going to have to go through some hostile spots. 
There may be times as Christians where it is wise for us to avoid those spots. There are some times that, that, that we need to avoid certain situations and certain places. But there are also times, I think, as Christians that God calls us to certain places and we avoid them because it's going to be tough, because there's going to be tension there. Now, there was much tension between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people, and Jesus would have known that, and the disciples would have known that, but they had to go through Samaria to get there. And so the scene is set for us. It's a, a well, an old well that had been there for some time from the time of Jacob. This would have been hundreds of years before that this well would have been in this place. And Jesus' disciples had gone into town to get something to eat. And Jesus was tired from the journey. This verse uh, that we look at also helps us to understand that Jesus was human. Some people would say that, that Jesus, while he was fully God and while he had a human body, he didn't feel the same pain that we felt. He didn't feel the pain of being on the cross because he was, he was the Son of God. He could just block those things out. Or he didn't experience the same things that we as human beings experience. But I don't think that that's true at all. I think that Jesus, as a human, experienced every single thing that we experienced. I believe he experienced every pain that we experienced, every sorrow that we experienced, every tiring day like we experienced. And I think verses like this help us to see the human side of Jesus. Verses where it says that Jesus wept when he found out about uh, the death of Lazarus, when he went to see uh, the people that were there. And we see just, just different little things throughout the text that help us, or at least helps me, to believe that Jesus could fully uh, appreciate the things that we go through. That Jesus felt everything that we feel, and he can relate to us. That's what makes him such an excellent and perfect and awesome Lord and Savior. It's that he can relate to us because he has been through everything. But where we fail, he has not failed, so he can help us to get through those situations. So Jesus was tired from the journey, and naturally, as, as, if any of us, as we get tired, we want to stop and we want to rest. We want to maybe get a bite to eat, and we want to get something to drink. And that was what was going on here in this story. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, we get the same sense. So Jesus is there by himself. His disciples, while they were making the journey with him, weren't at the well with him at this moment. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So here we see, we see that conflict. We see the woman says, hold up. She, she knew that Jesus was a Jew here. For, for, in whatever way, I'm not sure how she knew that, but she knew that Jesus was a Jew, possibly by his appearance. And she said, wait a minute. Jesus just asked her for a drink, and she's thinking, why in the world are you, a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan, from a drink? For a drink. This is a, this is a feud and a tension between the Jews and Samaritan that had been building for hundreds of years. This must have been about a 700-year-old feud that would have been taking place. You can read about that in 2 Kings uh, chapter uh, 
2 verse 17, I believe is where that's found. You can make a note if you want to read that later. 2 Kings 2 verse 17. And we see where this conflict comes from. This conflict came from 700 years before. After God uh, had, had split the nation of Israel into two nations, uh, uh, Judah and Benjamin, and then the other ten tribes of Israel. And what happened was that the tribe of, of Judah were still good. They were still being godly for the most part. Uh, but the other ten tribes had become ungodly. And the Assyrians had come in and attacked uh, the, the people of Israel and they had took over what was at that point in time Shechem which became the capital city of the ten tribes of Israel. That would have been in Samaria. The problem came when after Assyria conquered that part, portion of land that the Israelites was in that they began to import a lot of Gentiles, that is non-Jewish people. And the problem there is that the non-Jewish people did not worship God. They did not worship Yahweh. They worshipped false gods. They had other customs that, that, that the Jews were not supposed to be taking part in. And there arose a problem. Because now the Israelites that you have left in that area of Samaria, and which later became Samaria, are now uh, have some Christian teachings that God intended them to, but they have mixed them and they have begun to worship and turn to other, uh, other teachings of these different people that come in. And so they weren't living the way that they should. And so the Jews, thinking that they were, or at least a, a portion of them, thinking that they were holier than thou, at least some of the ones that Jesus was coming into contact with, they did not want to have anything to do with these tainted uh, Samaritans who had turned away from God. Now, really what we have in our reality here is what I like to call a pot kettle situation. You got the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, there, there were many of the, these, these law-abiding Jewish people, these Pharisees, Sadducees, who would look at the Samaritans and say, how dare y'all? Y'all have, have given in to other customs and other things and worshiping other gods, and you've totally missed what God's Word said. But in reality, there were many of the Jews that had missed it too. They weren't living any better for God than the Samaritans were. They thought that they were something special simply because they were born Jewish, but the problem that Jesus faced with these Jewish people who thought too highly of themselves is he said, look, you're getting it wrong too. You're not, you're not seeking and doing what God really intended. And so that's what the conflict arose from. That's why there was conflict between uh, the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. The Jewish people looked down on the Samaritan people. And as a result, they did not want to have any relationship with them. Do we ever do that in our life? Are there ever people that we look at and we think too highly of ourselves and we look down at a certain people group and think that they are less than we are because they are different than we are because there are cultural differences? Now, albeit, this problem that was going on here in Samaria, Samaria was, was a little bigger than just cultural differences. They were, they were, they were, they were worshiping other gods. It was right for the, the true Christian people of, of, of that day, the Jewish people of that day, to say, look, you shouldn't be worshiping other gods. But they shouldn't have had the attitude that they had toward the Samaritans. And how many of us might there be a people group or might there be a person in our life that we are looking down on, that we are not wanting to associate with, that we think that they are lesser than we are. Perhaps we need to do some looking at our own lives and say, God, is this, 
is this the attitude that you want me to have? And very quickly you will find that that is not the attitude that God wants you to have. That God creates all people equally and God intends for us to love one another and not fuss and feud and not look down on people just because they may look different than us or have some cultural differences than us. Let's read a little further. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep, so where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself. So did his sons and livestock. So here we have the scene set. And this woman, is, is she's thinking about real physical water. She's thinking about thirsty, drink a drink of real, real water. And Jesus says, look, if you realized who you were talking to, you would be asking me for water. But she didn't understand what he was saying. What Jesus was saying there was he's going to give her a spiritual water that is going to quench her spiritual thirst, that is going to give her everything that she needs, that is going to give her eternal life where she will never have to drink from any other, any other well again. And Jesus is trying to make her understand that, but she doesn't understand that. Instead, she goes back to Jacob. Now, Jacob would have been well-respected by the people of that area in that day. They would have known uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, these were the big three in the Old Testament that God began to work the promise through. And she goes back and says, but look, Jacob was great. You're not any greater than Jacob, are you? But Jesus is greater than Jacob. Jesus is the one that has been prophesied about, the one who has come through the promise, the one who, when the promise started with Abraham, all of the seed came through, and eventually it came down to Jesus who is going to fulfill everything that God had promised his people. And so Jesus is trying to point out to this woman that, hey, you, you, you're, you're focusing on Jacob, but I am better than Jacob. She asked a question, and Jesus was indeed better uh, than Jacob. Jesus says, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water, springing up within him for eternal life. That's good stuff right there. Jesus says, look, when you come to me, I will quench your thirst. I will... I will cleanse your sins. I will take care of everything that there is. There will be such joy and such satisfaction. Have you ever like been just so thirsty before and you just like are hot and you just drink water and you just can't get enough? You're just chugging it down. Just Boy, that's good. It's good when you finally get that water that quenches your thirst. And spiritually, that's what it's like for those of us when we come to Jesus Christ. It's because as sinners, we may not realize that we are thirsty. We may realize that we are trying to quench our spiritual thirst, so to speak, by, by something that we do or something that we have or something that we can obtain. But what we find is, is, that, is, that, is that that's kind of like drinking salt water. It looks like water, and when you drink it, that salt water just makes you want more and more water. And if you just keep drinking salt water, guess what? You die because it can't meet the needs that your body has. And it's the same with our spiritual life. There are so many things in life that we think that we need that God's going to give us that are going to make us whole, that are going to make us full. But in reality, these are things that are spiritual salt water. 
There are things that Satan makes look good. He makes it look like that they're real water. And we may not realize while we're drinking these spiritual saltwater things what they're doing to us, but what they're doing to us is they are killing us. But what Jesus is saying here is I want to give you water that is really going to quench your thirst. I want to give you water that is not going to lead to death, that is not going to kill you, but water that is going to lead to life for all of eternity. And he's trying to get the woman to realize here that he is the Messiah, that he is the one that the prophets had spoke of for years to come. And he is trying to let her know, look, I can give you what you really need. How many of us in here today may be drinking some spiritual salt water? Some things that we think look good, that we think, this didn't hurt me, this is good for me. But in reality, it's, it's, it's affecting our relationship with the Lord. We don't have the relationship with God that we should. It's causing other sin to take place in our life. And ultimately, it is going to lead to spiritual death. There may be some of us in here today that are drinking some spiritual salt water. And we need to listen to what Jesus says. Because Jesus says here that the only place you're going to get your thirst quenched is through Him. The only place you're going to just, just feel like you're just turning up that spiritual jug of water and just feel like, oh, this is so good. I can't get enough. Jesus says, I'll give you water. It's like a well just springing up inside of you. It just, it just keeps going, giving you that joy, giving you that satisfaction, giving you everything that you need. And only Jesus can offer that to us. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. So she got it. She said, Okay, whatever you're selling, I want to buy it. Whatever you're talking about here, I want this, this water that you're talking about. Oh, Lord, that was a bad, a bad analogy, selling. Jesus is not selling. You can't buy your salvation. So don't think that's what I'm saying. Uh, I was using just an uh, illustration there. But she was saying, Look, whatever you, you're, you're offering here, Jesus, I want to get whatever you are offering. And this is interesting what Jesus says in response. This is important for us to understand what's, what's taking place here. Jesus says in verse 16, Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. Now why in the world would Jesus say, Go and call your husband? This, nothing has been said about a husband. He's tired. He wants water. She's coming to get water. She says, Why are you asking me for water? And he says, look, just come get water from me. I'll give you water that you ain't never dreamed of that'll make everything better. And then of all things to say, Jesus says, now go get your husband. What is he doing here? Well, we'll see what he's doing here in the next verse. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. What Jesus was doing there is he was trying to, to help her realize her sinfulness. He was trying to help her realize her need for this living water. He was needing her to acknowledge that, look, hey, this is where I am. And the same is true for those of us as Christians. We have to realize, or, or people who want to become a Christian and accept Jesus Christ, that process is that we have to realize that we are a sinner. 
And sometimes we may not realize just how wretched we are. We may think we're doing pretty good. There's, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm a pretty good person. And sometimes God has to point out things in our life to help us to realize what was going on. And in her situation, it was, it was of husbands. She didn't. She had five husbands. We don't know if she was married to the one that she was currently with. She don't know if if we don't know if her other husbands had died. We don't know if she had committed adultery. We don't know what was going on. But I believe what Jesus was doing here was pointing out her sinfulness so that she would acknowledge that. It's not just enough to know that Jesus can offer us living water. It's also we have to know that we are sinners in need of that living water. We can't go ask someone for water if we don't realize that we are dying of thirst. As Christians, we have to realize that we are dying of thirst spiritually because of our sinfulness. And when we realize that we are separated from God and that we can't do anything on our own and we come to the Lord Jesus and we say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. You know all my old ways, just like he did for these women here. You know that I'm a sinner. I'm just asking you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. I repent of those things I used to do. Give me the living water. See, repentance calls us to acknowledge and, and say, Look, God, I'm going to turn. I know that I'm doing wrong. It, it calls us to humble ourselves. And I think that's what Jesus was doing to this woman at the well. Is he was trying to get her to humble herself and realize her sinful state. Then we take a little shift in, in the action. In verse 20, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Jesus is pointing toward what is going to come at his death. You see, at this point in time in Jesus' ministry and in, the, in this in this part of the world and everywhere, there was a separation. There was a separation between uh, the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and Jesus said, look, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. But what Jesus is pointing to is that upon his death, that, that, that everyone is going to be able to come into this invitation of who Jesus is, that they all are going to be able to experience. There's not going to be any separation. There's not going to be, you have to worship here or have to worship there, but rather that through Jesus Christ, we will be allowed to worship anywhere we are. We could sit up in that parking lot. We could sit up in an empty field. It don't matter. We can come no matter who we are, no matter where we're from, no matter what race, what nationality, and we can all come together at that time when Jesus makes everything right through his death on the cross. Then we all can come together and worship. And Jesus is saying, look, there's distinctions now. This group don't want to have anything to do with this group. This group says you can only worship here. This group says you can worship here. But Jesus is saying, look, what God requires is that for all his children come together and worship together. And that day is going to come, is what he was telling the Samaritan woman. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. That is, the message is from the Jews. The Jews had the message. God always spoke to his children, Israel, a.k.a. the Jews here at this point, uh, and, and they knew the message. They knew the prophecy. They knew the Messiah. They knew what to look forward to. They knew what God desired and required. The Samaritans, the Gentiles, the rest of the world that didn't worship God, they didn't know. They didn't have God's word. They didn't have the same promise. But Jesus is making the point that that promise is about to expand from the Jews to the Gentiles so that all who come to Jesus can receive salvation. 
See, at this point, only the Jews, maybe some of the Gentiles here and there may have, but but the point being that it was the Jews who God had made the promise of salvation through. And Jesus is saying that promise is about to spread through to everyone. But an hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Again, Jesus is saying it's not going to be about a place or a people group. He's saying those who are truly going to worship God are going to worship in spirit and truth. And that is all that matters. Not where, but how you worship. Do you worship with the right heart or with the wrong heart? Not where do you worship. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. The Father wants people to worship Him who truly want to worship Him. He doesn't want us that are going to just go through the motions. He doesn't want us just to, just to act the part. He doesn't want us just to go to a certain place and think we are drawing closer to Him. What He wants is for us, as, as, as Macy played uh, during the, uh, the offertory, is for us to come back to the heart of worship. He wants our heart to be on Him. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile, what matters is, do you have the right heart? That is what God is looking for. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. She still didn't quite figure it out. She still didn't realize that this was Jesus. She knew the Messiah was coming. She knew that that was going to happen. She knew that the Messiah was going to explain everything, was going to make everything right, but she didn't realize up to this point that Je this, this, this was the Messiah, that Jesus was the one that she was talking to. Jesus responded in verse 26, I am he, Jesus told her, the one speaking to you. He's saying, look, you're looking for the Messiah, you're looking for the one to come, you're looking for this salvation, you're looking for this living water that I want to offer. And Jesus point blank come out and said, I am the one who can give it to you. And Jesus may be saying that to some of you right here this morning. Jesus may be saying to you, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some things that's been going on. Maybe there was something in God's Word that you heard today and you just got it and you realize that you're not living the way you should, that you maybe have missed Jesus along the way. Maybe you've been trying to go through these motions and you've, you've thought who you were or the family you are have, 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 have assured you salvation in heaven, but that's not the case. It's a choice that each one of us have to make. That was the problem with the Jews. They thought that they were all going to be on God's good side and in His good graces just because they were born Jewish. But Jesus was saying here, look, it's not about who you are. It's not about where you're from. It's about where your heart is at. Jesus was saying, and Jesus was telling us here, Jesus was showing us here how we should be. Jesus was, was going totally against everything that would have been done in that culture. First of all, he was a man speaking to a woman. Second of all, he was a Jewish man speaking to a Samaritan woman. Jesus was shaking things up. He was shaking things up. That's why they wanted to kill him. They didn't want to hear the things that he had to say because he was, he was involved with sinners. He was touching sinful people. He was eating with sinful people. He was talking to people that you shouldn't be talking to. And the rest of the people didn't want to have anything to do with any of these types of people. But Jesus was setting the example for us saying, look, these are the people that need to be saved. Everyone needs to be saved. 
Jesus was saying, I'm going to go to those who are rich. I'm going to go to those who are poor. I'm going to go to those who are Jewish. I'm going to go to those who are Gentiles. Jesus was not making any distinctions over who he was going to go to and who he was going to offer salvation to because Jesus was saying, the salvation that I offer is for all who will come to me. I think that there is a lot that we can learn from this passage about the Samaritan woman and Jesus. We need to look at our life and say, hey, are we like the Jews and Samaritans of those days? Are there some people that we are judging and condemning and treating as lesser than and being rude to or not showing kindness to just because? Maybe we've been taught that and maybe that's not the right thing. Maybe there are people in our life that we are being that way to that are, that are different than us and we don't have anything to do and we try to avoid them. And instead of going through the Samaria in our, in our life, we are going around because we don't want to associate with that person or those people or those situations because those are going to be too tough. But what if Jesus would have did that? What if Jesus would have said, I'm going to avoid every person who's kind of dirty and kind of sinful, and I'm going to avoid every tough situation? Then we would be hopeless. Because if Jesus would have had that attitude, then Jesus would have avoided all people. Jesus would have avoided you and me because we're sinners. If he'd have said, I'm going to, I'm going to avoid the bad people and the nasty people and the, and the weird people because, because I, don't, I don't want to have anything to do with them, he'd have avoided every single one of us because we're all nasty and sinful and weird. What if Jesus would have said, I don't want to go through the tough stuff. I'm just going to avoid the tough stuff because that's going to be inconvenient. Jesus would have totally skipped the cross. He would have said, I'm not going to the cross. That's going to be too inconvenient. That's going to be too tough. Jesus could have just said, I'm not going to have anything to do with these sinful people. I'm not going to die on the cross because I don't want to, I don't want to see them. I don't want to touch them. I don't want to be around them. And I don't want to suffer for them. I'm going back to heaven. If that's the attitude Jesus would have had, we would be in a mess. But we see clearly here today that that's not the attitude that Jesus had. Jesus says, I'm going to go and I'm going to take the good news to the world. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to condemn. I'm going to tell people what's what. I'm going to tell them that I'm the Messiah. I'm going to tell them if they're wrong in their ways. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell them what they need to do. I'm going to give them encouragement. I'm going to give them comfort. And they're either going to believe me or they're going to reject me. And some believed and some rejected. The woman at the well, she, she, she believed. She left with excitement to went and go tell everybody else in the town. It says she left her water jar there. That was a big deal. You don't want to leave your water jar. I mean, those, those things were important. It's not like today where we just probably got buckets and stuff laying all around. I mean, that was your livelihood. You've got to have water to live. You've got to have your water jar. It says that when Jesus said he was the Messiah, she took off, left her water jug there to go tell everybody else. And that's the excitement that we should have for Jesus. Maybe God's revealed some things to you just like He did to the woman at the well and you need to go and say, look, I realize you're the Messiah and I realize I've not been doing right and I want to come to you for water. Maybe we got our worldly jugs and we've been trying to get our, our water for ourselves to make us good and Jesus is saying, you need to leave your jug there where it's at because that water's not good for you and Jesus is saying, come here and I'm going to give you water that's perfect for you. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these words, and I pray that you would help us to learn something from it today. God, we see so many things here. First, we don't want it there to be conflict or, or stuff between us and different people or different people groups, dear Lord, just because uh, we may be different. Dear Lord, we want to reach the whole world. We want to reach everybody, no matter who they are, where they're from. 
And so God, help us to do that and follow that example of Jesus. I pray that you would help us to be like the Samaritan woman and, and realize that, that, that there are sins in our life. There are things that shouldn't be there. And sometimes you have to point those things out to us just like you did for her. And dear Lord Jesus, I pray that through the Holy Spirit this morning that if there are some things in our life that shouldn't be there, some sins that maybe we've, we know are there and we don't want to acknowledge, or maybe we just don't know it, God, that you would help us to know it, or you would help us to acknowledge those things today so that we would come to you with the same heart and attitude as the woman and say, Lord God, give me that living water. God, help us to know that it's not about who we are or how, who we were raised by or where we're from that's going to give us good standing with you. Dear Lord, it's Jesus Christ that gives us good standing with you. It's being covered by the blood that he shed on the cross for our behalf. And so, God, I pray that if anybody's been trusting in, in their own actions, in their own deeds, in their own ways, thinking that that's enough, God, that you would help them to realize today that that is far short of what you require, that you require perfection, God. And only Jesus Christ on the cross can offer that. So I pray, dear Lord, if there's one here today that has not accepted Jesus Christ, that they would do so, that they would come to that spring of living water, that when they come to you, Jesus, that they would experience. There are some, God, in this room that are probably just struggling, that are, that are, that are heartbroken, that are, that are sad, that are depressed, that are just searching, that are, that are wanting something, dear Lord. They don't know what's missing, and they feel empty. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would let them know that it's Jesus that's going to make them full, that they would come today and that they would accept Jesus, that they wouldn't be empty, but that they would ex experience the joy that only you can offer. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.